love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with Haley Chura. And Haley, I um, I saw that you were signed up for the same exercise class as me this weekend. It's a, a, a class, you know, it's kind of new to the scene. It's a lot like um, hot yoga, but it's called Hot Iron Man. <laughs> and it involves uh, doing about uh, nine to 10 hours of Iron Manning in a really hot condition. Is this uh, Ironman Coeur d'Alene? Is this what you're talking about? Because I, I did sign up for that. <laughs> I am wondering why. I When I signed up, I did not realize. It's like if it's like when you sign up, it is like when you sign up for a hot ex- or a cl- exercise class and you didn't realize it was hot yoga. You thought you were signing up for regular yoga and it's hot yoga. Um, I feel like I've been taken, but you know what? Um, I'm really good at pouring water on my head. So I'm just like adding that to, it's like the fourth discipline of this race this weekend. Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Alyssa, this is like historic. We don't, there are not many times that you and I have raced together. So um, for all of our listeners, it is race week for both of us. Ironman Coeur d'Alene, it's happening this Sunday. Yes. And I mean, Haley, we have a, I feel like a, our past races when we've been together, you know, we've suffered and we've also had great races together. So like some, this will fall just somewhere on the spectrum there. And, uh, you know, we're going to make it happen. I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before how I'm a little bit traumatized from 2015 racing in Coeur d'Alene when it was over a hundred, it was 102. I checked the historical data the last week and I said, surely I can play my odds and it won't be that hot again this year if I sign up and do it. Right. And then I mean, I'm playing the lottery. That's like on my to-do list for tomorrow, I think. Just yeah, play the Mega Million. Because that forecast, yeah. the forecast is it's, I saw 97. I think you saw 101. <laughs> I'm going with 97 um, Fahrenheit. And uh, Alyssa, but we, okay, let's talk about our history together. We've raced Ironman Louisville in August together, which I think, I don't know. That's a, that's a humid heat. This is a dry heat. So let's look on the positive side. We also raced uh, Ironman Los Cabos. Another very, oh, very right. warm one, yeah. 2013 together. Um, again, humid heat. This is a dry heat. So um, we've raced Kona together, which also humid. So you know what? We've done worse. This is going to be fantastic. And, um, you know, it's it, <laughs> uh, okay. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is one of my favorite race destinations. That's one reason I'm doing this. I like have not actually raced an Ironman distance race in quite a while. Well, not many people have, there was a pandemic. There is still a pandemic. So I was unsure if this race was going to happen. Um, it was added to the pro like rate roster kind of late. I think after they canceled Ironman Texas earlier this year. So, um, I mean, most of, most of us in the pro field, I don't know. We didn't start this year planning to race Ironman Coeur d'Alene. It is a bonus. That's how I'm going to, I'm trying to tell myself looking at it geographically, very convenient for me. I it's as close as I get to a hometown Ironman living in Montana. And so I am excited. I'm, you know, it's, I've, I've raced the half there many times and, um, it's, you know, I've had some really, really good races there. The course suits me since it is, uh, similar to the train here in, in Montana. It's, you know, long sustained climbs, a lot of wind, you know, that 
uh, all the things we really love. So <laughs> I'm trying to think of it as it's going to be really fun. But if if anyone is listening and happens to live along the run course in Coeur d'Alene, you know, if if you have a hose and you have some time to like come out and spray down people like um, I wear bright green, yellow and pink. And yes, please, please, please hit me with that hose. <laughs> Yeah. My answer is always yes for that. Always. Yes. Like, yeah. And I have, yeah, I'm like already looking forward to those hose showers that we'll get there. Yes. But, um, and Alyssa, I'm excited. We're going to, I'm going to get to see you. So there's like another big positive and we might actually be doing a little like a uh, recording next week in person. So for all of our listeners tune in next week, it's, it might be a little extra special, uh, in-person show. Yeah, I think our listeners might get a lot of Haley and Alyssa, like, you know, in different elements over the next week because, you know, our normal podca podcast episode. And then, yes, if we're recording together potentially in person for next week, that'll be a fun one. And then, Haley, we were chatting before we got on the recording and we both got emails. Um, and I guess they are filming, what is it called? Do you have the, you have the name of it up? The um a fighting chance which is like a race week iron man show that kind of profiles some of the pros that are contenders i would like to say that i'd like to highlight that um word out of the email contenders so um you know they they are looking to see if they can meet up with us and you know chat or film something or whatever and so i mean we're gonna try and be the Haley and Alyssa show on that too if we possibly can pull some strings so we'll see what we can do you guys but definitely keep an eye on the the coverage i believe that they will be showing the race on Facebook watch. That's what it's called. I think Facebook watch, Iron Man watch, just go in Facebook and look for Iron Man coverage or something and it'll pop up. And um, I think it should be live on race day. So you'll get to see Haley coming out of the water first, and then you'll get to see the rest of us coming out and trying to chase her down. So um, it will be a fun, fun broadcast as always. And yeah, you guys know that, that Haley will be getting airtime. I'm sure. Ah, and Alyssa contenders. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm, I was excited to get the email because I was, I was like, I didn't realize they were going to do coverage and on Facebook. So I was, I'm excited. And, um, you know, anytime we get to be a movie star, I will take advantage. And also, um, I was going to say something else, but I totally have spaced it. But, um, what was I going to say? It was something about Coeur d'Alene, about seeing you. I don't know. It will come to me. This Seeing is what happens friends. when you have I know. Um I know. What was it? I don't even remember. But um this is Iron Man brain, folks. <laughs> My taper has not kicked in yet. Um oh, I was gonna say, oh, this is what I know. You informed me that the race starts at 5 a.m. <laughs> thank you for that. So that is quite We can thank Kelly O'Mara because Kelly that told me. And then I was like, what? This can't be right. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's totally right. <laughs> yeah. Like they send out the athlete guide and they're like, all warm-ups must be complete by 4.50 a.m. And I'm like, surely. Um, but okay. I mean, when, it, when you have a weather forecast with a high of somewhere between 97 and 101 degrees Fahrenheit, you, I guess, appreciate an earlier start time and, you know, the geographic location on the, of Coeur d'Alene being so far North and also so far East in the time zone means it is light out at 5.00 AM. So I guess it'll be good, but it also means for folks on the East coast, I mean, that's like a very nice 8.00 AM. <laughs> start yeah, time. totally. If I mean, you want to watch. 
a leisurely yeah start and i'm hoping that my body will think it's still like 8 a.m potentially as i'm or at least 5 a.m when i'm waking up at 2 a.m you know or whatever it is that we have to wake up before the yeah. race but um you know i do i did see that and was like well hopefully i'll i'll be awake and that won't be too much of an issue and um however working on east coast time has worked against me in this taper time because I should be maximizing rest and it's so hard Haley with the Olympic trials coverage on like it's I mean it's like one more race oh, I'll just watch one more race and I'm like I'll just watch one more race and then before I know it it's like 11 which is way past my bedtime normally so I was yeah. wondering about that because swimming Olympic trials were of course in Omaha Nebraska in central time but track and field Olympic trials you know we rolled right from swimming right into track and field and um those are in Eugene Oregon so on Pacific time and I it's been late for me so I was curious if you've been saying I've watched I mean, there's been some fantastic, I mean, and it's also fun. Like, I think it's been fun. We've, I need to like make a list of like the people we've had on the Iron Women podcast. Who's also, so I was talking to Matt about that last week because we were watching swimming and I was like, oh, Elizabeth Beisel, she's been on the podcast. And I was like, Ashley Twitchell. Oh, she's been on the podcast. And so it was like all of these people. I was like, oh, I know these are my friends. Like, of course I'm cheering for that. Well, they weren't competing. Well, Ashley was, but Elizabeth was commentating, but it was fun to see like these names. And I was like, man, we like, we are top notch here with the guests we pull. Yeah, Emma Coburn and that steeplechase. I mean, she's been on the show. So I know it's been, I think that it does give a little bit more of a, you know, gives you a, a horse in the race. Um, although I'm, I, I'm personally like, I loved, well, I loved Allison Felix. She made the team in the 400 uh, meter run. And then also Shakari Richardson. Oh my goodness. I love her style. You know, as someone who like loves some bright colors and I mean, her hair is I, it was fantastic. And then also I just, when I watch, okay, both the hundred meter runners and the hundred meter hurdles, how do humans move that fast? Alyssa, like I was running on the treadmill last weekend and I was like, what if I could run at 24 miles per hour? Like <laughs> 24, like what? I don't, I mean, I don't think the treadmill goes that high, but like, I'm like, I couldn't do that even for one second. <laughs> I know. And they, they're, they are doing a good job. I don't think they've used these graphics in the past where they're showing like the kind of the progression of speed of each athlete in their lanes and kind of showing you like their top speeds and like where it maxes out and like where they hold speed and all that stuff for those like shorter races. And it's super cool, but you're like seeing those numbers and your brain really isn't wrapping your head around like how fast they are truly, truly going. And it's yeah i mean it's just amazing to watch and it's the personalities this year are really fun um i did i cut myself off and went to bed before allison ran last night and then that was the first thing i looked up on my phone like this morning and got to luckily it's not too hard to find the the rewatch of the coverage um but that made me pretty excited too so i feel like there's some a lot of good things coming out of trials and it's always just fun to have that kind of as your pre race week prep, right? Yes, like I agree. And the Paralympic yeah. trials, the swimming and Paralympic mm -hmm. track trials are all happening in Minneapolis and they're splicing in some of those. And I think they're having more coverage of those this weekend. So I am fired up. Yeah. I think that is, if there is like a perfect thing to watch on TV before you go into a race, like even a challenging race. Cause I mean, that steeplechase, I mean, I know it's only like nine minutes long, but it looks quite challenging. And I'm like, okay, or watching Katie Ledecky swim a 1500. I mean, I was thinking about her in the pool this morning. I was like, you know, like she, she would think these times are like warm up. So, <laughs> well, and I think the women's 5K we record, we're recording on Monday, the women's 5K final is tonight. And I think it's supposed to be 90 degrees for them in the 5K. So, you know, I was like, okay, I got to watch them. And I like, they're still going to do it. Like, I was like, okay, if, you know, I will be channeling them. Um, 
for when we're out there. I mean, obviously different races and stuff, but yeah, it's like inspiring and just something to keep in the back of your mind when we're out there facing hot temps too. Like it's just part of the job. Yes. And we are focused mostly on women here, but shout out to Ben True, Sarah True from our sister podcast. If we were riding, Ben True was fourth in the 10K, just missed that Olympic spot. Also New Hampshire resident. So Alyssa, you can claim him as a neighbor. Haley, did you see um, when they introduced Ben on the coverage? Like, did you watch the race from the beginning? I did, but I don't remember anything that okay, unusual. So, what well, they like go to Ben and they like introduce him and they show like, you know, they go through the athlete lineup or whatever and they show Ben. And I think Ben, Ben was wearing like a neon yellow shirt and his hair was like super wet and he had like clearly just dumped like, I'm assuming cold water or something like on his head, right? And he just looked like he had just like cooled himself down. He's like, okay, I'm ready to like run now, you know? And I was like, I've been thinking about that. I'm like, man, that is like my entire mood right now for like <laughs> these temperatures. And, but yeah, I mean, um, that race, that was heartbreaking to watch, you know, like when you, you do feel like you have, yeah, a horse in the show or whatever the saying is. Um, so I was cheering for Ben and wanted to see him pull that out. But, um, it, I don't know. And Sarah had a really good Instagram post about kind of her take on it. And so if you haven't seen that, you should, you should go check that out. Um, and I'm, she'll probably talk more about it on her podcast if we were riding. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of things about Ben, I think that are leaving lasting impressions and ultimately as his, you know, will stand out about his career. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, this, Watching these trials and having gone along, you know, five years since we've had this before, I think it has, I think I might have said this last week, but it has shown me that like sports do matter. They matter to me and the stories matter. And yes, I mean, first place is awesome or making a team is awesome, but like the people behind also have incredible stories and um, have an impact. And I think that's always a good thing to remind us. I need, I need that reminder as I go into what a race that I, I'm going to be very much challenged during. <laughs> and Haley, we have a mailbag question this week, but um, before we we talk about the mailbag, I think you got something in your actual mailbag today. Oh, I did. I just, before we got on the air, <laughs> I checked my, my mail and I have the new sport performance lip guard from Zelios. And so I just got this in the mail and you have already tried it. So some, you know, the mail gets to New Hampshire a little earlier, or maybe Haley is a little bit, you know, taper walking to the mailbox. Like we don't want to do anything extra these days. So like I only, you, you got to train cowboy, like cowboy, check the mail. Yes. But so, um, yeah, so you've tried it. What do you think? I really like it. So I'm a big like lip gloss, lip balm. I'm that person who has like, I always need something. Um, you know, I like to sleep with it. Like I can't really fall asleep without a good balm on my lips. Um, I really like it when it's like nice and thick and like shiny. That makes me really happy because I don't wear a lot of makeup. So I like shine and stuff like that. Um, and Zelios really, I think, hit it out of the park with this one. So this is their Zelios Lip Guard. It's brand new out this week. SPF 28 Lip Balm Sunscreen. It comes in a little like lip balm tube like you would know. Um, and Haley, I mean, I think you should just, why don't you, you just put it? it on? And then, yeah, so you put it on. I'll keep telling some this details. It has shea butter, air, coconut. First time ever. Yeah. Jojoba oils. Um, they moisturize dry and crack lips. There's free of parabens and artificial flavors. Clear yeah. and smooth consistency. How do you how do you feel? It is smooth. I mean, it's yeah, it feels For nice. Podcasters are like, we need some lubrication with our lips. Yeah. We just talk and talk. So this is like 
for podcasting, also for those hot sunny runs, which I think we both have, you know, a big bike and run in the sun coming up. This, uh, yeah. So this will go to good use. Best timed package possibly ever. Um, I'm excited to use it this weekend. Also the Zelio Sun Barrier um, SPF. I will be slathering that on. And, you know, I love my Betwixt chamois cream for both, you know, before the, for, you know, in all the obvious places, but also as to keep, you know, wetsuit chafing. You know, I don't like chafing anywhere, but... Um, I'm excited. Congratulations, Zelios, for the new product launch, LiftGuard. And um, if any of, any of our listeners want to try the LiftGuard or any of the other line of Zelios products, head to teamzelios.com. You can use the code IRONWOMEN for 15% off, and uh, we highly recommend it. This is I, – I, I got a card, and it said, because even tough athletes – need soft lips, Alyssa. I'm, I'm, that will be my, my, my motto for Tag this line. weekend. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Haley, other, one other housekeeping item here is that we recently, Live Feisty recently announced some details about the Outspoken Summit for 2021 here. So it's going to be happening and it's going to be like a twofold situation this year. So they're doing an in-person Outspoken Summit and a virtual option, November 12th to 14th. There is some early bird pricing till August 1st available, and you can get more details at OutspokenSummit.com. Yes, and I think right now only the virtual option is, is available for purchase as an early bird. And because I think they're still working out the details if there'll be a small in-person uh, summit. And so if you you purchase the virtual access right now, you will be able to upgrade if you wanted to go in-person if that does happen. So so don't delay and don't worry. Like you aren't necessarily locked into only virtual if you choose that right now. And now to get to the podcast mailbag, we had a question come in from Maria. And hi, Maria. We met you at Indian Wells 70.3. So thanks for continuing to listen. That was Hey, that was a race we did that ago. wasn't that hot. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so true. We have done one. <laughs> that one involved like running on a golf course. So I feel like we just trade one thing in for another with like challenges that are interesting with races. Yes. But uh, it's always something. So, okay. Maria, though. Maria wants to know. Um, she has recently started using heart rate zones for her training and it's all super new, but she's read about, you know, heart rate zones can be effective for training. So she's training to do the Olympic distance Chicago triathlon, um, very early in her heart rate program here. Um, but she's struggling to keep her heart rate in Z1 and Z2 on her runs. She's finding it a little easier with swimming and biking and she's just getting frustrated. So she has to walk a lot of it to get her heart rate down into the correct zone. And then she feels like she's not doing any work. So She's curious about our thoughts on that modality of training and any tips that we have for an intermediate triathlete using heart rate zones. She's using a Garmin Phoenix 6S. So um, Haley, if you don't mind, I'll start. So I also have a Garmin Phoenix 6S and I will say, Maria, that I do, I don't think it's like super inaccurate, but I also wouldn't really call it accurate. Um, I just think the wrist-based heart rate um, monitors, you know, they're they're good for ballpark. I think it's really good when like I'm sleeping actually. Like I find that when it to be probably the most close to accurate, I think, because I'm not really moving. It's like sitting in a good spot on my wrist. I'm not sweaty. I'm not like salty. And it's like probably doing the best job. Um, I don't find it particularly accurate when I'm doing other things. So if I was using heart rate for stuff, I would do like pair it with a heart rate strap. Um, and I think that just tends to be more accurate and more accurate data. And I would definitely suggest getting a heart rate strap to, if you are doing a heart rate training program, just so you are hundred percent certain that you are getting like the correct readings as you're going through that. Um, 
that said, Haley, do you have input? My, my gut reaction is that, you know, it could be a couple of things. Like on one hand, you might be someone who needs to relearn how to go easy, you know? And so it might really be forcing you to dial that back and you might have to kind of learn like a different kind of shuffle jog, right? Like a lot of people can only run or only walk. Like there is often like this medium shuffle, right? Um, and you can kind of do that running motion and be going easy enough. So that might just be something you have to kind of, you know, embrace and teach your body to do. Um, and the other thing, you know, that comes to mind with heart rate training is I've never used it for like a full training plan. So I don't know, Haley, you might have other details if you've used it more extensively, but I think sometimes, you know, not everyone's going to fall into the exact equations, right? That they're all built on. So as you gather more data and as you kind of use it more, I think this, the scale might shift a bit for your zones. Um, but my, if I was betting, I would bet that, you know, it's a matter of like learning to go easier when you're running first off. Yeah. I think this is really good advice, Alyssa. And I use heart rate all the time. I use a chest strap because I agree. I think the wrist, wrist heart rate, there's just too much variability and it drives me a little bonkers when I, it's like, when it's a very clearly incorrect number. So I do use a chest strap. I have used heart rate for years and I will say that like it was, it was similar to, 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 um, Maria here where in the beginning I, I hated it. Like I hated it. And it was, cause I felt, I felt the exact same thing. I had to walk and I had to, I felt like I was I was like, what was the point of that? Like, did I even go for a run? And now I've realized that that's exactly what, that's exactly how you want to feel. Like you almost did nothing because the idea is that you, the, the cost of that, of certain runs of those runs that you want to be easy is very, very low. And I, she said she's on like week two of this. And I would say, give it at least six weeks. Um, and you probably will notice an adaptation. I've, I've also had one of my, my own athletes who, um, is run only, which again, I think this kind of builds on last week's question. Um, and you can, tr you know, track things a little bit better with run only, but, uh, and, and it's amazing. We've seen some similar, similar results where in the beginning, it's so, so hard, but like it actually, but then when you are going hard, you are able to go so much faster. And I'll say like, I'm, 10 years into this, you know, like I'm a sign, you know, a long, long way into heart rate training. And I use it all the time. I use it on, uh, easy rides to make sure they're easy enough. I use it on, you know, hard, hard rides and hard runs to make sure they're hard enough. And I will tell you that the numbers, I don't know if we're like using specific numbers, but like the numbers now that I use as like a tempo pace are probably three minutes per mile faster than those numbers were, you know, when I started this. So like, we could just say like, you know, uh, you know, when I first started doing heart rate training, I probably ran an eight minute mile at, um, you know, at probably a 150 heart rate. And now I would say I can run an eight minute mile at 130. And, and so the whole point is that now an eight minute mile just costs me less. And, but when I started, I probably was, my, was trying to do 130, like run under 130 beats per minute. And I was probably running 11, you know, or, or slower. And so, so, you know, as someone who kind of is a few years ahead of you, Maria, like I would just say like, stick with it, try it. And from what I've found, it does work, but, um, it is frustrating. So I share in your frustration, but you'll get to a point where all of a sudden you're trying to run those numbers that you see right now. And you're like, Oh my goodness, I have to run so fast to hit that number. And it's a good feeling kind of. <laughs> 
But great question, Maria. And thanks for sending that in. And our listeners can always send us questions to the mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Alyssa, we have a great interview. This is like a very high energy interview. So so we've had said a lot about Coeur d'Alene coming up this weekend. But there is another race. Red Free Williamsburg is happening this weekend. And so we are talking to Clarice Lorenzini. And Clarice is actually headed to Red Free Williamsburg. But that was not the bulk of our conversation. We, we talked to Clarice because she's a rookie pro. She just raced her first pro race at Ironman Tulsa last month. She finished 11th. She had a fantastic debut. And so she tells us about that race, about her debut. Clarice is actually also, uh, she's a Filipino American athlete and she really has been using her platform as a professional triathlete to represent the Filipino American community. And so she talks about that and the reasons behind that. And um, she talks a lot about her history in sport, how she got into it, uh, how she's come back from injuries, how she trains for hilly races in very flat for Virginia Beach. So, so many great topics, such good energy. And we will have that conversation with Clarice right after the break. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/slash ironwomen and get started. Hi, Clarice. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So we wanted to offer you a slightly belated congratulations on your pro debut at Ironman Tulsa just mid-May, about a month ago. So you finished 11 in a 9.51 with a very fast 3.09 marathon. So since it has been a little more than a month since that race, have you had time to kind of reflect on that pro debut? Yeah, it was It was nothing short of an awesome experience and I'm, I'm so happy with the way it unfolded. So I, it, it started off actually quite terribly. I came out of the swim dead last. Uh, I was the absolute last pro bike in transition. All the men, all the women were already out of there and I saw my bike and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't belong here. And then while taking off my wetsuit, I knocked my bike off the transition rack and then some volunteer was helping me and he's like, it's okay. And I'm like, it's not okay. I'm last. <laughs> I didn't say that last part, but I hopped on the bike. It's raining like crazy. I'm, everyone says that the race is going to be so empty. There's going to be nobody around you. But since I was so slow, I had all of the top age group men, but 
it took it took a maybe about an hour and then I settled into a good rhythm on the bikes uh, picked up about two other females and then I mean basically I just did the swim on the bike to get to the run so that's where my strength lies and that's where things got exciting you see the crowd you got to see all the other racers like Daniela Reef uh, Heather Jackson Kat Matthews it was great sharing the course with them and then um, had a had a pretty good marathon and then crossed the finish line in 11th I was really happy about that uh, couldn't believe I was so close to Meredith Kessler um, and for a pro debut I actually missed the Kona slot by one place and I missed the payday I missed the payday by one place but I didn't go there for either of those so I was just super happy that you know I was able to make up such a bad swim at the end and then validate the fact that it's like okay you are a professional triathlete you belong to be here it's okay <laughs> And did you like stop in that or not stop because you were riding your bicycle in that first hour, but it sounds like that was quite frantic for you. Like, was there a point when you kind of had to kind of stop your brain from those kinds of thoughts? And like, did, how did you kind of reposition yourself to be like, let's just focus on not the fact that that was the last bike in transition. Let's fo focus on like what's ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the, one of the coaches I was working with, um, with the coaching company, I'm with Speed Sherpa. I just went into this race with a goal that he set out for me was to just pass one ponytail. So that's all I needed to do. And I knew that if I could just make it through the bike, it didn't matter if I passed anybody on the bike, I could just get to the run. And I knew that my strength would stand out there. So I tried to keep things under control on the bike. It was, it was hard because there were a lot of some rough roads and there was some rain, but I had a, I had a really good bike. I was actually extremely happy with it and just, just enjoyed it because at that point there was nothing more that I can do than just pedal my bike forward. There was no use thinking negative thoughts like, Oh, it, it's so rainy out here. I can't ride my bike. I don't belong in this pro field. And I just enjoyed the five or so hours that I had out there and then passed a few women. And when I fat, when I finally passed them like that helped, that was a big confidence booster that like, all right, it's okay. Things are going to, things are going to get better from here on out. And they did. <laughs> I and love it, it seems like, Oh, go ahead, Haley. No, I just love hearing this story because we, you and I have very like opposite race plans. And I usually, like if someone told me my goal was to pass one ponytail, I'd be like, oh no, because I, I'm, <laughs> my background is in swimming. And so like, I usually go backwards all day. And, um, and so, but I admire athletes like you who, who can, you know, who come from behind and keep themselves going because I do think that is, that can be a hard way to race. So I'm just, I'm just admiring your mental strength here. <laughs> Thank you. And it seems like you had originally planned to make your pro debut at Ironman Coeur d'Alene, which is happening mm -hmm. this coming weekend. So mm -hmm. what made you, you know, like moving things up a month can be, you know, <laughs> not something everyone always just decides that they're Ironman fit, you know, four weeks early. So uh, what went into that decision? So I was originally training for Ironman Texas. That's where the, that was my original goal. And then that got canceled probably about five weeks out, I think, from race day. So. I switched to um, Coeur d'Alene and was totally okay with it. And then the race director for a race that's actually happening this happening this Sunday from Revolution 3 Williamsburg, um, Revolution 3 Triathlon, and, and again, it's going to be Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, I was on their ambassador team when I was an age grouper about uh, two to three years ago. So the race director reached out to me and was like, I have a little secret. There's going to be a PTO-sponsored race in Williamsburg. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I'm in Virginia Beach. That's 45 minutes away from me. Um, super easy just to hop over the water. Uh, don't really need to worry about too many out-of-town logistics, which I really liked. And then what made me pivot was my parents were actually going to come down and be here for the week, and it would be the first time they've ever watched me. Well, they, I think they've kind of watched one race, but it would have been the first time they ever watched me race, especially a pro race. But 
Um, so that's when I switched the focus and I was like, you know what? I need to do an Ironman before 70.3. I don't know why my mind thought that, but <laughs> I just wanted something big. And I know that my strength is in the 140.6 because I need the full marathon versus the, I know this 13.1 is going to hurt on Sunday. So, uh, I switched to that. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think it was within the span of like two or three hours, no joke that I was like, Oh, it's okay. I'm not going to do full Ironman. I'm just going to do 70.3. And then I want to do Florida in November. Then all of a sudden, I was like, nope, Tulsa, we're going to Tulsa. I'm going to Tulsa. <laughs> Just the way my mind works. <laughs> and it worked out really well, but I, okay, I need to ask, how did what did your parents think of the race? So uh, my parents were supposed to come to Williamsburg. Oh, Williamsburg. Weekend, so. Oh, I was yeah. thinking they were in yeah. Tulsa. Sorry, I yeah. messed up on that. So yeah. are they excited to watch you then this weekend, though? Are they still coming? So a, a twist of fate, of course, in my that's my life. My mom actually is a teacher. So my mom is setting up her classroom for summer school. And my mom actually got, I guess, a classroom promotion, for lack of a better word. So she is going to be the head teacher of a different classroom. So she actually, her and my dad aren't actually able to make it down anymore, which is okay. I'm still, I'm still racing. It's still right over the water. I'm still seeing a lot of my um, triathlon friends from when I was an ambassador with Revolution 3. Um, I'm just going to have a great time just doing triathlon. So that's all that counts. Nice. And you mentioned living in Virginia Beach, which is, I, I've never, I haven't actually been there, but I imagine it's pretty flat. And so we uh, did yeah. hear that that bike course in Tulsa was pretty hilly. People compared it to Lake Placid. So have you, like, how did you prep for, I mean, it sounds like you didn't even have a lot of time to prep for like a race on hilly terrain when you only have access to flat terrain for training. So the nice part I guess it's a blessing and a curse having living in flatland. I mean, the first, the curse is there's no hills. So it's just constant, constant pedaling. You never get a break. You're never coasting down a hill or anything like that. But one of the best training factors I think out here is the wind. We have absolutely crazy wind just being by the, being by the water and not having anything to block it. So a five mile, five mile per hour headwind around here feels like 20. So that helped. But also I, I love Zwift. Um, it's in order to ride, it's not the safest to ride in Virginia beach. I actually usually have to drive about 30 minutes away. Um, I go to Williamsburg a lot and that's about an hour, hour 15 with traffic, 45 minutes to an hour 15. So I, I took advantage of Zwift a lot. I did the hilly courses like, uh, I can't remember the name, like mountain routes or, or something like that. Did a lot of Epic KOM climbs. Um, and then I, I, I just did maybe two, two or three long rides with about 2000 feet of elevation. And honestly, I just hoped and prayed for the best at that point. <laughs> and what about the run? Did, well, I guess the run in Tulsa is flat, but if you mm -hmm. were to kind of approach a race with a hilly run, do you have any, you know, are you a fan of the treadmill? What kind of, what's in your back pocket for that? <laughs> uh, this man-made bridge, which is half a mile. It's actually one mile long. So half a mile of hill and then half a mile of downhill. I work really, really close to it. So it's maybe a five, 10 minute drive away from where I work. Uh, so after work, I just hop over there. And I just do, you know, hill repeats, just go up and down and up and down. It's, it's actually by like a garbage plant. So it's not the greatest place in the world. And it's, it's, it's uh, quite horrible. Actually, the views are horrendous, but it's the only hill we have around here. So you make it work. <laughs> I love the resourcefulness. This, I mean, you are showing it can be done. So since Tulsa, you have posted a little bit about having some like post Ironman blues. So I was curious, like what, what do you define post Ironman blues as? And are you working through them? Does, does having this race, this rev for three Williamsburg race on the horizon, does that help? So it almost, I don't want to say made it worse. So I kind of just wanted to shut down after the Ironman. So I did, I did Florida last November. And then instantly got so excited because I qualified for my pro card that I didn't really take a break. 
And then unfortunately I had a glute hamstring injury. It's high hamstring tendinosis that just keeps flaring no matter what I do. So I, I dabbled in it in the winter and then it kind of got under control of physical therapy and then started training for these races. And then after Tulsa, I just, oh man, I just hit some, I hit a wall. It was like constant go, go, go up until that point. And then I just wanted to relax, but um, there were still some other things because I have this brand now. So I have a really strong platform that's um, been developed where I, I represent um, the AAPI communities. So um, leading into Tulsa, there was a lot going on in terms of media. I had stuff with Ironman. I had stuff with USAT. Um, and then there was a lot more stuff that happened after the pro day debut in Tulsa, because that's when I kind of became, I guess, a little bit more well known to the world with a lot of the features that came out. And then there was just a lot going on where I wanted to relax. I, I just wanted to kind of hole up my house and not talk to anybody. And I, I felt so tired. I instantly went back to work. So I work a full-time, full-time job on top of being a pro. So I wasn't sleeping very well. I, I wasn't drinking any water, which, which didn't help recovery. You know, I was <laughs> eating cheesecake for pretty much all of my meals, which a good move in the time, but not later. And then I, I did a, I went up to New York for the weekend and that was super busy because that's where my family is from. So I was seeing a lot of people and then I just kind of came home and I just felt so anxious with everything going on. Um, so I, I was able to take a step back and I, I, I didn't, I guess I don't want to say fail because I still attempted the workouts, but the workouts were disasters in my eyes. So I thought that I failed them, but in theory, I take them as a learning experience now and I just let myself recover and then take a little bit of time off to do some easier stuff to just kind of enjoy myself and get back into training. And like, luckily my mindset mindset has shifted in the past week and a half, but it was just, I, I didn't want to train. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, it also, my husband's also deployed too. So I came back home. I had to take care of a house by myself. I, um, again, working on top of that, it was just so, so much. And I think it was the worst Ironman blues that I've ever had, but it it definitely was a learning experience that I hope will never happen again. (laughs) Well, and even if it it does, you'll now have this kind of knowledge and wisdom and experience to be able to (laughs) know that it all passes and to kind of revert to the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's quick. It's funny how quickly we forget the things that leading up to the race, like keep us grounded and keep us kind of, you know, just like sleep and hydration and things Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And Clarice, we want to back up a little bit and talk about your start in triathlon. So we read you joined the triathlon club team at Syracuse University while you were a student mm-hmm. there. Haley and I are big fans of collegiate triathlon. So can you tell us about the club at Syracuse and how that helped get you started in the sport? Yeah. So I originally was just, it was my second semester freshman year at Syracuse that I found the triathlon club because I was just running up until that point and I wanted more of a challenge. So why not throw in three sports instead of one? So I, I dabbled in some of their practices when I, I was a sophomore. And then it was my second semester sophomore year, I believe at the end of January, when I did an indoor triathlon. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a triathlete. This is so cool. Another label that I could slap onto myself. I'm not just a runner, but I'm a triathlete now. Um, and it was great uh, the rest of my time at Syracuse. So I actually um, ended up becoming the captain of the team there, which was so fun. We had some club funding, which really helped too. So through recreation services at Syracuse University, they paid for our races, which as a college student, every little penny counts. We still had to pay for travel, but that was okay. I mean, $150 for a race was just daunting at the time. But it was it was great for me to, to build an identity, to get some friends that had the same exact interests as I did. And I got to travel 
do a lot. I got to go to Clemson, South Carolina for collegiate club nationals and race with some of the best, like Army, Navy. That was so cool. I got to go up and down the East Coast, like to Massachusetts and New Jersey and other places in New York and just um, have fun weekends with people doing something that I absolutely loved. And I think post-college, you were living at home and you trained for your first half Ironman without your parents even noticing. So this is why I wanted to ask earlier about what your parents thought of the race, but um, I guess they still haven't been to one. But why why did you want to keep your training a secret? And how is that even possible? Like, did they just not notice that you had like a bike or that you were like maybe like like just eating a little more than normal? Or maybe you don't. I eat a lot more than normal, I feel like, when I'm training for a half Ironman. So, so that was, it's actually so funny because that, that race, it was in 2014. So I was a junior, yeah, junior going into senior. So I was at home then. And then, um, it was actually seven days to this seven years ago to this day, it showed up on my Instagram, which I think is so cool. Um, and I, I just told my mom, I packed up my bike and I went to Syracuse. Um, but I told my mom that I was like just doing SAT tutoring or something like that. I had a house up there at the time because we were renting in college. So I just was like, yeah, you know, they just offered me a week of pay. This is so great. But I was still training. But I I, I definitely, I want to say kind of under-exaggerated what I would do. I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to the mall. But I'd actually go out and ride my bike instead or something like that. But um, I think it's, for a lot of it, it's cultural for my mom. Um, my dad, my dad was totally okay with it and he knew, but for my mom, my mom always worries, even to this day, my mom thinks that I'm going to go ride my bike. And it's, you know, there's of course, unfortunately other cars on the road. So there's that safety feature, but, or that safety risk, but my mom thinks it's more of like, I'm going to fall off my bike sort of thing. <laughs> um, when I run, it's the same thing. She's like, it's too hot. You're exerting yourself. I'm like, yes, mom, I know that. <laughs> but, um, I wasn't, triathlon isn't, isn't big in the Philippines. My mom didn't know about it while she was growing up. She came over here when she was about my age now, about the age of 27. So, um, just exercise in general, it'll be more sports, not, not overexerting yourself for nine to 17 hours for, by any means. Um, so it was just sort of that cultural barrier and that lack of knowledge. Um, and rather than educate my mom, which, which now she understands and we still talk, we, we talk about it a lot now. Back then I was just scared because I was still living under my parents' roof. I didn't want my mom to tell me no. <laughs> so, so I would lie and just say that I was doing things like traveling to go to, to back to college to, to work for a week when I was actually, you know, doing my first half Ironman. <laughs> And Clarice, you've written and spoken about wanting to use your platform, which you've kind of brought up here too, as a professional triathlete to showcase your Filipino American heritage. And you're one of only a few Asian American or Pacific Islander women to race professionally. So, you know, when you qualified at Ironman Florida last November, you know, did you have kind of that thought going through your head of like, this is important. This is something I want to do to be able to, you know, showcase this you know, my heritage and to give other, you know, young women young and girls, someone to look at and see in these, in this position. So back, honestly, the whole uh, using my platform as a API professional triathlete actually didn't really happen until March. So it was the attacks in Atlanta. So the shootings down there that really, I guess, I don't want to say triggered because that's, that's not the right word, I guess, uh, inspired, but it was more out of, I was just so frustrated at that point. I, I had to say something. I had people at work saying that these women deserve what happened to them because most Asian Americans are, you know, not Asian Americans, Asian women are sex workers that come from across, abroad. 
And I'm like, well, my mom was an immigrant. Um, so that, that really hit and that really hurt. And it's been a year of the coronavirus being referred to as the China flu, where people going, you know, AAPI individuals being scared to go out because people come up to them and be like, your people are responsible for this. So it, it really was the comment about the, the Asian woman being sex, uh, sex traffickers or sex workers that, that really set me off. And I was like, you know what, just because we look different, just because our cultures are different, just because, you know, maybe you don't want to take the time to recognize our culture and how it could benefit you or how it can expand your horizons doesn't mean that we're any less worthy of being here and does not mean that we deserve to be disrespected. Um, and then the article, uh, Sarah Wozner Flynn with Triathlete Magazine reached out to me um, and we wrote the article together. And then everything from there just kind of expanded. Uh, people started contacting me saying, thank you so much for sharing your message. I'm a PI also. And it, it, again, it wasn't even a thought at the back of my head. And when it started happening, I was like, wow, I'm not just a pro triathlete now. Like I'm not just inspiring other women to go out and get there in sport, but there's other people that had have the same background as me or had the same experiences in life where we were bullied for being what we were um, that are now reaching out to me and being like, you know what? I can do this too. Thank you for standing up for me. And so you, so you mentioned the Triathlete Magazine article. You also did one with USA Triathlon. You've been on the local news. You've done several <laughs> podcasts. I recognize you're doing this podcast. Do you like the attention or is it wearing you out? I mean, you mentioned it kind of was part of those post-Ironman blues. Like, it's a lot of work. Are you, are you tired and are we <laughs> sorry for contributing to that problem? <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's a mix, if we're being honest. So it's, it's uh, I've actually... Um, Sika Henry is also local to the area in Hampton Roads, so so we're 30 minutes away from each other. And she's she's become such a great friend right now through everything that's going on. And we can talk to each other because we're different than other pro triathletes because we have this platform now that we're trying to use for social justice and to, to make changes out there in the world. And um, she said something that, you know, this, this isn't going to last forever for us. Um, it's only just a, a blink in time. This is temporary. And every time I get overwhelmed, I think about the messages uh, or messages, excuse me. I'm only human. So that's why there are times where I get a little anxious is there, there's sometimes too much on my plate, but I, all it takes is just one person sending me something, you know, saying, thank you so much for, for, for speaking out. It's so great to see somebody that looks like me out there. Um, it's definitely I've definitely gotten a lot of media attention. It's weird going to work and people are like, were you on the news? And I was like, no, who's that? <laughs> Cause I've, I've, I've actually enjoy, I actually enjoy hiding things in life. I used to never tell people I was racing. Now I can't do that. Um, but it's, it's, I'm embracing all this uncomfortability. I don't know if that's a word. I'm, I'm embracing these uncomfortable experiences now. And it's, it's really pivotal and uh, pivotal and changing my life for sure. And for those in our audience who aren't members of the media, maybe don't have their own podcast yet, how can you know they be helping you in your mission to increase AAPI representation in triathlon? So one of the biggest things I think um, is, I was reading about this the other day, uh, like what, what can others do to help support the AAPI community? So, so one of the biggest things that we've seen in the past year is just supporting other local businesses, um, whether that be a restaurant or if you find somebody that makes handmade goods that you like, that definitely helps. Um, but I think even too, just going up to somebody and starting a conversation, uh, for me, it's like, oh, you know, uh, it, it, I don't even find it insulting if somebody comes up to me and is like, oh, you know, uh, you have some Asian eyes. Might I ask what culture you are? And then I'll tell them about, you know, my story, my background and how my mom came to America. I have no problem with that. But, but one of the largest things that I think stuck with me, and I wonder if my life would have been different is if somebody stood up for me back when I was being bullied. So a lot of my, a lot of the comments that were being made to me when um, I was being called names as a child were on the bus. 
And I wonder if there was just one other child or even just a bus driver that heard those other comments in passing that, that just would have said something like, you know what, that's not okay. Um, yeah, Clarice is different, but that doesn't make her any less special or deserving of anything else in life. Because um, a lot of these comments do start off as jokes. I've had my husband's coworkers or my coworkers or even just friends in passing that will make comments about my eyes and I just shrug it off. But by me shrugging it off or not acknowledging it, that almost contributes to the problem because then people think it's okay. Oh, Clarice isn't insulted by the comments about her eyes. I'll just say that to the next person I see that's Asian or bring it up again. And that's just adding fuel to the fire when maybe I could say, you know what, it, that, you know, that's actually a really hurtful comment. Um, I'd appreciate it. if you don't say something like that. If you want to learn about my culture, let's have a, you know, a civil discussion. But poking fun at somebody isn't the way to start something. Switching gears just a bit. So you mentioned your hamstring injury, and I also know you have some history with a major ankle injury in 2018, and it does seem like you've made a full recovery. We mentioned that 309 marathon in Tulsa, and I think your uh, run in Ironman Florida was like a 307, so even faster. Mm -hmm. And so I am curious about like your how you manage injuries and recovery from those injuries and are you surprised that you're you're able to get through them and you're running so well right now 100 <laughs> percent. my poor physical therapist every time she sees me we take a little hiatus from each other and then I come back three months down the road and she's like again and I'm like sorry <laughs> I'm a pro now and <laughs> but um so in 2018 it was ankle ligament reconstruction surgery due to chronic ankle sprains and it's funny because I I, I guess I had it in me, but I wasn't a 307 or 309 marathoner before that, before that um, surgery. I started working with a coach in 2019, and that's when I realized the potential after the year of 2018, just, you know, being sad about my ankle injury. I just kind of, you know, a light bulb popped to my head and I was like, you know what, let's, let's roll with this. Let's see what we can do. And then started producing some really awesome run numbers. But um, I am trying to be a lot more careful. Um, so the hamstring injury is just something that's going to be chronic for the rest of my life. Um, so definitely trying to be diligent with PT exercises now. Um, stretching, I'm really trying to get better at that. A strong core is absolutely, a, you know, a, literally it's the core to everything. So so just having strong uh, back muscles and abs too helps, especially in the aero position. But um, it's a... Uh, really trying to prioritize recovery. So it's, it's, it's definitely hard, um, trying to schedule massages, dry needling, um, getting extra sleep, taking my vitamins <laughs> that, that I've gotten really good at. Um, but also knowing too, that it's okay to back off and to, to not complete a workout or complete a run if something isn't feeling okay. And I coach now too. And I tell that to my clients, um, and I've talked to other physical therapists, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to have a little pain. But if that pain increases during a workout, then that's when your body is telling you, you know, maybe we should shut this down and try again later. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get better at that. It's not going that well, but. <laughs> and you've also been very open with your, your own weight fluctuations during your running and triathlon careers and have even called gaining weight a blessing, which isn't something we hear frequently in today's culture. So have you learned anything over the years about your own body composition and performance and kind of how that's related that's allowed you to see it that way? Yeah, absolutely. So, so for, for years, starting as a young adult, I definitely struggled with body dysmorphia. And then when I was in college, my sophomore year, uh, I would just, uh, I, I remember tracking calories on my fitness pal and the app was sending me to like 900 or a thousand calories a day. And I'd be running 
you know, 40, 50 mile weeks and then going to the gym and strength training. And I was just feeling so, so tired all the time. So I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I started triathlon and that really helped too, because then I realized that I could be really strong. Um, you didn't need to under eat. Uh, you actually wanted to feel yourself. Uh, it took me a very, very long time. Um, if we're being honest, to be very comfortable with eating so many carbs while training and racing. Um, I, I really struggled with that concept and I, I loved running over biking and swimming because I thought that the biking, excuse me, running would burn more calories. So I wouldn't really train the other two. Um, but now I'm just realizing that I don't have the smallest legs in the world. Um, you know, genetics definitely come into play in a lot of things too. I don't have a six pack. I'm working on it. Um, but I did a core workout before this, <laughs> but it, I I'm still able to produce some really strong run numbers. Um, I mean like the 307 marathon and the 309 in Tulsa, it, it always shocks me when it happens too. Cause I'm like, wow, like, like that was really good. And then I see pictures of myself and I'm like, all right, those aren't, I don't call them large thighs by any means, but I call them muscular strong. Um, and I know that Kat Matthews came out with a really good post on Instagram on global running day that said that some people would, um, look at her and, and think that she didn't belong to be at the running course that she was at or, or the race that she was at. And then she'd go on and win it or, or have a personal best and surprise the people. So I think as, as uh, society evolves, we're realizing that, um, you know, strong is the new skinny, um, and that it's okay to, to be a little bit bigger or be a little bit more muscular. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're, again, relating back to everything. It doesn't mean that we're any less deserving if we look different. Well, Clarice, we know you're a rookie, technically a rookie pro, but you, you have a wealth of information and you sound like a veteran. <laughs> uh, one last bit of advice, like uh, since you do train in Williamsburg, do you have any advice? This, this might air on Thursday, so it's very quick advice for anyone who's in Williamsburg, but advice for the course or anything to do and see around the area? Okay, so it's a it's a, it's a fast course. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. There's a reason why I chose it and to keep coming back to it year after year. It, uh, it's a down current swim, so it's great for weak swimmers like me. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, uh, it gets hot. That's for sure. And it's still probably going to be about 85 degrees on race day, but welcome to Virginia. We have humidity. It's the South. So, um, hydrate, 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 salt, um, I'm salting all of my food going into, into race day. I carry salt tabs. Um, and, and just dumping water on your, on your head at aid stations, um, even walking to aid stations to make sure that you're getting um, enough hydration. And then for recommendations in the area, I'm stealing this from an old teammate, but there is a store in, I think it's Colonial Williamsburg called The Cheese Shop. Um, yeah, my, my old teammate, Robert, um, he goes there every time. He lives in Richmond, and he, he comes down all the time to, to, to eat there. Um, it, it just has every kind of cheese that you could ever ever want. And I, I don't know the name of the sandwich that he gets, and I got it before, and it's delicious. And they have this great house dressing. But if you like cheese or bread or sandwiches or wine, this is the place to go. <laughs> I love it. I did race uh, Rev 3 Williamsburg. I don't know. It was a, it was a while ago. It was... Um... I don't know. Let's see. Probably in 2012, 2013. And that was one of my favorite races. It's a really fun. I don't know how much they've changed the course since then, but, um, yeah, it's a super fun venue and I am excited for any of our listeners heading out there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good one. So I'm excited you'll be there on the start line too. And then beyond Williamsburg, do you have any plans to share or anything? Do you know what start lines you could be kind of looking at beyond that? Or have you, are you going to take it kind of next weekend and then reassess? So I, I guess, I guess kind of that, um, I do have, 
Um, so my husband's actually coming home from deployment in about two weeks. So that's, I'm kind of taking all structured training off the table for the month of July and just kind of letting the hamstring relax a little bit and just enjoying the fact that he's been deployed for eight out of 12 months. So it's like, okay, it's it's time for us to go on a vacation, but, um, hopefully I'm going to switch gears in August and I am eyeing Augusta 70.3, which is at the end of September. And then I'm really excited to return, hopefully return back to Florida in November. Um, it's, it's where I got my pro card last year. So my friend was, pointed it out and she's like why don't you go back to the place where everything began and I was like you know what that that's great so and I love the course it's 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 phenomenal I cannot wait to go back there well thank you so much Clarice good luck to you this weekend and we look forward to following I mean you're just at the beginning of your career you have so much but you've already done so much so we're excited that you're in part of the pro field thank you so much and thank you again for having me Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to outspokensummit.com. We hope to see you there. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural-born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim-run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Thanks so much. It was really fun to talk to Clarice and all the best to her this weekend in Williamsburg. We look forward to hearing all about how that goes on the East Coast as we, what's the opposite of of thaw out, like get cool down as we sit in a freezer, sit in the lake. Haley, we'll, we'll sit in Lake Coeur d'Alene and like cool, get cool and check out what other racing happened. And then yeah, maybe maybe we'll even record right after we finish if we're like just, if the timing works out. How great would that right? be? Yeah, how great would that be if we could record? While, I mean, I don't think we could record while sitting in the lake, but we might need to. I don't know. Maybe we can get an ice bath or something. <laughs> we'll be chilling. Hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully all has gone well and we're still coherent. If I'm coherent enough to record a podcast after an, the Ironman this weekend, I will give myself like a gold star. Totally, for sure. Totally. Yes. <laughs> Maybe this so. is a goal. But anyway, Alyssa, I'm so excited to see you. Safe travels. And for all of our, you know, our listeners, if you do want to maybe see us, tune into that Facebook coverage on Sunday. You know, starts bright and early, 5 a.m. Pacific time. So uh <laughs> it should be a good, good experience, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Haley, it's gonna be great. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see our uh Smash Fest Queen teammates out there. All of our listeners come say hi to us. This is definitely definitely uh return to racing is is this is the kind of stuff we miss so um we i'm excited and uh, i guess i'll see you in a few days Haley.
You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.